With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we get started on the podcast, I just want to apologize to the listeners out there. The audio is not great on this episode. Craig and I had a really tough time figuring out how the audio was uh, was going to work. For some reason, it was, wasn't really working, uh, even though we were doing the same things that we did last time. But hopefully, it's not too bad, and uh, hopefully, you'll keep listening. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Cockpit Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Joining me today is the first official friend of the podcast, prospect analyst for Hockey Prospectus, Craig Smith. Craig, how's it going? It's going very well, Trevor. I'm glad we could finally, hopefully, get this going. And uh, I guess nice to be the first official friend. That's always good. Yeah, exactly. We've uh, we've had some troubles uh, recording this, so hopefully this this turns out okay. So I have you on here today to talk about the young Senators players in the system once again. Uh, first, we can go over the Silver Seven Sens top 25 under 25 list, which the staff did a few weeks ago, including myself included. Uh, and then we can discuss the Hockey Prospectus Guidebook, which you con- which you made a contribution towards with the uh, Senators and the Canadians. So first, I'll go through the list of 25 players in the top 25 under 25, which um, I know you've, you've looked at. And obviously, for the listeners, this will be hard to understand, but I'll go through it anyway. So one, Mark Stone. Two, J.G. Pajot. Three, Cody Ceci. Four, Colin White. 5, Thomas Shabbat, 6, Logan Brown, 7, Curtis Lazar, 8, Ryan Zingle, 9, Francis Perron, 10, Nick Paul, 11, Matt Pumple, 12, Jonathan Dolan, 13, Marcus Hogberg, 14, Gabriel Gagne, 15, Frederick Kleissen, 16, Christian Jaros, 17, Andreas England, 18, Casey Bailey, 19, Matt O'Connor, 20, Max McCormick, 21, Chris Drieger, 22, Philip Schlopek, 23, Philip All, 24, Cody Donahue, and 25, Max Lejoie. Hope you got all that. So the top seems pretty obvious with Stone being a consensus number one, but it definitely looks different than previous years, especially with no Eric Carlson. So how would you rank the top of the list compared to other years? Uh, well, compared to previous years, I think. Stone's been there, Carlson's been there, so there's obviously been a legit core player at the top, which you should see with every franchise. If not, then there's serious issues. Um, I guess at the top, the first thing, the only thing I really noticed from previous years is the roster turnover, and that was surprising to me, especially from last year. How many guys on that top 25 list are gone from this year? Cowan, Chason, Patty Weirkosh, Shane Prince, Mika Smedijad. You know, all guys at one time were had hope and praise and people were excited for it, and now they're gone this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, honestly, I, I never really thought about that until you brought that up, but that's true. That's a lot of guys that were on the list last year and are just gone. So 
definitely is a different look and especially when you compare back to like 2011 that was like probably the peak or maybe 2012 of of their prospects they had you know Jakob Silverberg, Robin Leonard, Zabanajad, Peugeot, Prince, Pumple, like all these guys and they were all still rated quite highly even even a guy like uh Jared Cowan was still seen as as you know a top prospect so definitely not as high end I'd say as, as previous years yeah kind of I noticed the same thing even just 2014 you had uh, Carlson Hoffman Stone uh, Pajot and then you had Lazar CC Zabenejad and Leonard all there so it kind of makes you take a step back at the same time whereas you have you know on the last podcast we talked about how we haven't seen a prospect pool like this for Ottawa in a long time and so you get excited about the prospect pool but then you kind of take a step back and go huh you know uh, we should be a little bit more patient and wait and see as opposed to just yay 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 rah 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 but it's because the last group didn't turn out as 11th overall or in the conference and having that mid-range pick and then finally having a pick at number six with Zabinijad so there's some extra hype there I don't know if he was ever going to be the guy uh, I remember a lot of debate about between him and Couturier at the time and whereas Zabinijad still may have a higher offensive upside uh, Couturier seems to definitely have rounded out as a more com- better defensive player so neither one is the franchise guy you want but definitely good complementary players yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it wasn't the greatest year, I'd say, to get to get that pick because you look at other years, you look at six and might be a franchise changer. And Zibanejad is he's perfectly good second line center, but he's he's not really what you you sort of hope for. You hope for a bit of a more of an impact player. And uh, I know a lot of Senators fans that season at the end of the year, it looked like they would possibly get a top three pick and a lot of fans were hoping for Gabriel Landeskog and I think that would have been not like a massive upgrade but he's certainly a better player so um yeah it wasn't uh didn't exactly hit the jackpot in that draft no unfortunately it's sort of the way it is and that's all you can do is hope to get your core players one way or another and then just draft to build around them yeah so the uh, the list to me I think looks pretty uh, pretty normal the, the top of twenty five under twenty five, and I think it, I, like I think the staff had pretty similar ideas on how to rank these players, but was there anything in your mind that you see that's out of place? Well, I think you and I had a quick talk about this too before when I was originally when the list came out I was putting my twenty five top twenty five together. Uh, it was hard to rate, especially for me being a prospect guy, it was hard for me to sort of balance the future with the current. Yeah, exactly. A guy like uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot versus a Colin White, where Colin White, I think, is, I don't want to say guaranteed to be a better version of Pajot, but essentially will become that. So how do you currently, at this very second, yes, Pajot is a better player, but I think Colin White is definitely the more valuable asset and the better and will be the better player probably within two years, if not next year, than Pajot. Um, so I had a hard, a slight probably some players that showed up a little bit differently, um, mostly probably just because of maybe a slight prospect bias on my side. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair. Like, I definitely struggled with um, having a 
make that balance as well. I believe, I think I had, I guess I did have White below Peugeot, but you're right. Um, certainly in the future, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to have more of an impact. And s same with Logan Brown. They're by no guarantees going to be better players, but they definitely have the higher ceiling. Um, one of the guys I thought looked pretty low was Max Lajoie, who ended up 25th. And I feel like he's been getting lots of praise from people uh, in Sens Media and who saw him at Sens Camp. Uh, and he played in the exhibition game the other night as well. So do you think he could be a guy that could rise from 25th next year? 100%. I actually had him 17th on my list. So um, I love the pick at the time of the draft. I said it. Uh, it was sort of a slightly different pick for the Senators as far as going to uh, much more of a skill approach. And uh, a lot of people also thought it was a, uh, a good value pick at that point. I think given the bad year that Swift Current had and that they should be a little bit better this year, uh, that you might see his stock just skyrocket. Um, I don't know how much higher it's going to go because the top of this 25 list is pretty solid, but definitely up into maybe that above Lazar in that seven range, I could see him jumping as high as that with a massive massive year but probably at least into close to the you know 10 to 12 yeah that'd be that'd be a huge boost for the center system just because it's basically they have thomas shabbat um they do have andreas england but england isn't i don't think he's really regarded as a high-end prospect he's just sort of a guy who could be an nhler um but if if lejoie gets that high that's that's awesome you get another top-end defenseman who can produce offensively. So that would certainly be nice to see. One of the other guys I wanted to bring up was Casey Bailey, who I, I, I haven't written down the exact number he was at, but I, I believe he was 23rd or 22nd, something like that. I don't even think I ranked him on my list just because, to me, he seemed sort of like a non-prospect at 24 years of age. Yeah, he finished uh, 18th on the, on the list. He did not make my list either um, I agree just at that point and again this is me being a, maybe a, a, the prospect bias coming through but I think there's guys who from a organizational standpoint and as soon as this year can be better players than what Casey Bailey is um, it's just it's sort of the he's a little bit more of a known commodity versus some guys you just haven't seen in that role yet so uh, no, he didn't make my list at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of that prospect ranking is probably just people remembering the fact that he was a semi-big signing out of out of college by the Leafs, so they sort of know his name and and stuff like that. But I mean, he's he's uh, he's running out of time, so I don't I don't really see him being an NHLer. So I don't even put him on. Um, next thing was the biggest riser from this year's list was Christian Jaros who's been getting some love from a few people in the media, and he threw an enormous hit a few days ago in the SHL. That is just a must-watch. You can watch that Vine over and over. Um, is there somebody from this list that you could see being a riser for next year, besides Lajoie that we already listed? Well, from the, the guy I have that's on my list uh, was also my sleeper prospect in the prospect guide. Uh, but is not on the list for the Silver 7 Cents, is Joel Decord, who is actually, for me, is the the number one goaltending prospect in the system. 
Um, I think that a year in the NCAA, he'll be debuting with Arizona State this year in the NCAA. Maybe that that exposure will bring more people to being coming aware of how good and what kind of talent this guy has. Um, especially when you see that how good he is at playing the puck. He's got that Marty Turco, Ed Belfour ability to play the puck. And for a team that, according to Sport Logic, finished 26th in successful outlet passes out of 30 teams last year in the NHL, it's a minor thing and you don't want to rely on goalie, but um, something that can help going forward. And the addition of, you know, uh, just like that, he's got. His dad was uh, his dad's a goaltending coach in the NHL. He's got unbelievable talent. He's athletic. Uh, he's very good technically. Uh, he is going to be a good, good player, I think. Yeah, that's an interesting name. I I don't think a lot of people really know who he is, and I think the fact that guys like Chris Drieger, Matt O'Connor, and Marcus Hogberg are just older, they're in their early 20s, I think people just notice them a bit more because they're closer to the NHL level. Um, Chris Jager, he, he could probably be like fine as an NHL backup if he wanted to today. Um, but a guy like Decord, he, you know, he got drafted in 2015 and, um, people don't really, you know, he doesn't play in the OHL or something. People didn't have the opportunity to watch him. So, but I guess he will get more ex- exposure, like you said, at, a uh, ASU. So hopefully he has a big year. Um, it seems like senators sort of have, four they basically have like four goalie prospects and they're all they're all okay like they're all you don't really know what we're we're gonna get with them they don't have like that robin leonard type that they had in the past but you know decord could be that guy he could be that guy that you're mentioning how how skilled he is and out of all these guys he could be the one that actually turns into an nhl starter i hope so and the nice thing is is it seems to be actual stats on it be interesting to look at it but the seems like the success rate of late round goalies turning into absolute gems seems a lot better oh yeah so so hopefully that's gonna happen the other guys that sort of caught my eye on that were that just sort of were on the list were uh dolan england and yaros again you mentioned yaros there jaros um and a lot of it is, again, same thing. It's sort of exposure. Anklin is a guy who's just coming over now. He's going to play in the AHL this year. I think he's probably going to see NHL ice time by the season's end. Just so many fringe defensemen and the PTO guys that I was signed. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see a legitimate answer there. And I think if the team starts to struggle, as I suspect they will, and with injuries, that they're going to need to call a guy up. He's got the size. He's got the skating ability. And... If he comes in and has some success and plays well defensively, uh, I could see him taking a jump up. Uh, Dolan uh, just getting stronger, getting another year. Uh, he's a smart, smart player, so his stats will go up. So he could take a little bit of a bump. And then Jaros is just, that guy's going to be a hype machine after being captain for Team Slovakia. He's got intangibles all over the place, so that's going to be nice. And then the highlights are going to come all year, all year. Whether it be with the physicality, he has the ability to go north-south. It's not fancy, but he can do it. And so there's going to be highlights all year on Twitter for him. Yeah, I, I really hope so. That I mean, seriously, that hit he threw was just, like, no hyperbole. That was probably one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. And um, the guys you mentioned, England, 
uh, England, Jaros, and who was the other one you said? Jonathan Dolan. Right, Dolan, yeah. I had those three listed as well. Um, but one guy, I'm not sure how you see him, is uh, Philip. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right. Schlopik? Klopik? Yeah, he's, he did not make my 25 list. Really? I think he will be off everybody's 25 list by next year. Hmm. I have little to no faith in him. Really? He really struggled without Daniel Sprong last year. And uh, that was one of the concerns when he was taken was people weren't sure if he was a passenger on that line or not. Um, and when Sprong surprisingly made the Pittsburgh team at a camp, uh, it showed. And the whole Charlottetown Islanders team struggled with Sprong. When he came back, they improved dramatically. And uh, Chalapic had a slight kick up in his stats as well. But I'm not, uh, just not sold on him as a uh, legitimate prospect hmm. as far as you know having some sort of an impact in the NHL. I think maybe as a depth guy, you could see it, but not at all as a uh, full-time NHL for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I remember when they when they drafted him in the second round last year, 2015. I remember I I was excited because I had seen his stats. He looked like a good player. Um, but that's totally fair that he probably was a passenger with Daniel Sprong. But it'll be interesting to see. I guess Sprong is most likely still staying in the OHL, right? Uh, or sorry, the Q. No. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I guess with some of the newfound wealth in Pittsburgh um, that they got out of the AHL last year in the second half of the season, they're probably not as urgent or uh, they probably don't see a need as much to keep him up there. But if he can, if he plays well like he did last year, then absolutely. I don't know if they want to play him 12 minutes a night on a third or fourth line, but uh, if they feel he can contribute every night, I think they'll probably keep him. Yeah, so I, I sort of hope they do keep him just because then we might get a better sense of what Schlopik really is because if if Sprong isn't there and he puts up, you know, 90 points, then, well, maybe maybe we uh, reevaluate him. But hopefully he he isn't like this non-prospect like you see him. Like, I want you to be wrong, but at the same time, you know, the success rate of prospects he probably is is nothing more than a depth guy, which is, which is kind of disappointing. But uh, let's move on to the the amazing hockey prospectus guidebook that you were a part of, and you were very kind to give me as a gift. And um, for all the listeners out there, if you like reading about prospects, I highly recommend buying this. It's twelve dollars American, so whatever that is Canadian, uh, and it includes really in-depth profiles for numerous top prospects on each NHL team, and it's three hundred twenty-eight pages. So it'll certainly give you enough content to last for a while. Um, but anyway, I wanted to go over a few things that you wrote about some Ottawa prospects. Uh, so for the listeners, the top 10 prospects listed are 1, Thomas Shabbat, 2, Colin White, 3, Logan Brown, 4, Francis Perron, 5, Jonathan Dolan, 6, Nick Paul, 7, Mikhail Vikstron, 8, Patrick Seeloff, 9, Max Lajoie, 10, Ben Harper, 11, Christian Wol... Wol how did you pronounce it? Wolanin? No. Wolanin? Um, 12, Marcus Nermi. Uh, 13, Andreas England. 14, McCoy Urkamps. 15, Gabriel Gagne. 16, Christian Yaros. 17, Joel Decord. 
Uh, Matt o uh, 18, Matt O'Connor. 19, Philip Schlopik. And 20, Philip All. So, first of all, talk about how you guys ranked each prospect using the OFP system. So, the OFP system is the uh, overall future projection, uh, which is a combined score. Um, so, for skaters, there's five categories we test. Uh, skating, shooting, puck sense, or hockey sense, puck skills, and physicality. Um, each position, so centers, wingers, and defensemen all have different weighted scores. So a defenseman or a center would have a higher weighted hockey sense. So the higher the score there, the better. Um, wingers, shooting, skating, physicality. Uh, goalies have a seven category breakdown, uh, which covers uh, athleticism, puck handling, rebound control, uh, a variety of different things so obviously each category kind of breaks down into its own skating you'd be looking at you know speed acceleration balance edge work shooting obviously like velocity release accuracy but we're also looking at shot tendencies shot uh, selection things of that nature uh, sense is the play away from the puck uh, we're looking at play with the puck obviously what kind of decisions the player is making uh, Systems I find are hard to evaluate in junior, uh, so I look more for the anticipation. You know, is the guy a step ahead of everybody else, or is he sort of chasing the play? Physicality, obviously body checking is important, but it's also your response to a check and to, like, defensemen, are they pressing on the boards and things of that nature. <laughs> so basically, it's pretty comprehensive list, and it seems like you're looking at tons of stuff that um, basically just to get one all-encompassing stat, sort of like a, a hockey war version. And I think you had Thomas Shabbat. I think he was exactly 60, no, on the, on the 20 to 80 scale? Correct. So how the 20 to 80 scale breaks down. So 80, like Connor McDavid, so there's no 100, it's 20 to 80. So Connor McDavid would be an 80 on skating. Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, guys like that would be, you know, uh, 75 to 80 kind of thing on your hockey sense. So the best of the best of the best, all time, nobody's better than that guy, are 80. Uh, 20 would be you or me, uh, <laughs> guys, in your, guys in your beer league. So if you're getting a 50, you're generally looking at a uh, fringe to bottom six type player. So a guy that could see some consistent NHL time, but probably is not going to be a massive impact player. Sort of a uh, Nick Paul is just a little bit over a 50, so that's kind of a perfect example of a guy who's in that range. Uh, so Shabbat at a 60, 60 you're talking about your top line guys. Um, 70 would be your uh, Mike Hoffman's, uh, Mark Stone's, Eric Carlson's would be in the 70s. Uh, closer to the 70 scores so a 60 score is very 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 strong yeah it's um definitely encouraging to see a 60 um i'm pretty familiar with the 20 to 80 scale just because it's used a lot in baseball and um you know 60 is is given out to you know top 20 top 30 prospects in the game so i guess it's similar for hockey as well so i'm also curious to see how you guys ended up with the rankings for each team. So, like, what sort of talks went into uh, into the rankings and, like, who had the most say? So the team rankings, it was a little bit of a debate that went on as far as how we should 
weight everything. So we want to obviously give credit to high-end prospects, right? Because if you have three elite, elite prospects, but nothing else, well, those three elite prospects could be more valuable than a team that's just got 20 average prospects. So we decided to essentially take a cumulative total and average total of anybody that got an over 50 score. So anybody that could be an NHL hockey player, um, that went into the overall rating. So Ottawa, unfortunately, the lower end of their top 20 is pretty weak. So um, they didn't have as many 50 graded guys as other teams. So that's why it dropped them down lower than we had expected in the rankings. Okay. And so what about like for the individual players on the list? Like, are there certain guys that you fight for? Um, and like, how many how many people joined in to make the top twenty rankings for the Senators specifically? Well, so there was some arguing that would go on, and mostly those arguments were about grades. We didn't we wanted to get away from the sort of the old school NHL style bang the table for your prospect. You know, in the NHL, if uh, one guy who's a great debater, a great arguer, very emotional at the table can win the pick and say, okay, so they're going to take the guy from the U.S. Development League because Scout A uh, was the most passionate in his speech about that player versus what we were doing, and we wanted to get away from that. We wanted to just have a grade, have it settled, and that was it. And the grades were how the players were ranked. So even though our mindset on certain players may have surprised us in some of the rankings we would go back and reevaluate the rankings or discuss the uh, the ratings at times but we will let the rating speak for the players ranking okay so i think uh one of the most obvious questions regarding prospects that you guys have ranked um and i'm sure some of the listeners noticed noticed this as well when i was um when i was saying the top 20 is vikstrand <laughs> so Technically, yes, he's still property of the Ottawa Senators, so he's still technically a, uh, a prospect. Uh, we're very unlikely that, yes, he will ever play for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he may be off that list officially as of next year, but technically he's still uh, their property, and so they have his rights, so we keep him on the list. Yeah, that's like such a strong technicality, just because I, I haven't really seen his name on, on many lists, and like he wasn't even thought of in, in our rankings, really, just because you're right. Like, he, he really has no shot. I think he signed, what, a four-year deal or something in, in Sweden. So even if he does come over, he's he'll probably play for someone else. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. But we can't, we can't take that chance that uh, he shows up. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, one of the more interesting things I noticed – was in your in the the senators rankings was the high rankings of patrick seeloff at eight ben harper at 10 and christian Wolanin at 11 so what puts them higher over fellow defensemen like uh andreas england christian yaros and mccoy Erkamps? so the the ratings were especially on those three guys uh were not my ratings. so i'm speaking on behalf of ryan and jason in this category so again when we're doing the ratings it's very much on each individual skill so sometimes when you're rating a skill and depending on that skill is weighted it can actually surprise you on what you end up scoring a player so 
Jason Lewis, who's our who's out of California, writes for Hockey Buzz uh, for the, with the LA Kings, and he is our AHL scout down there. So he saw a lot of Siloff last year and liked a lot of his game. Uh, so he had originally had a slightly higher score, made an adjustment to bring it back down a little bit, but he really liked a lot of he saw. Saw a lot of them last year and liked what he saw. So there's no issues there. Uh, Ryan and I, Ryan Wagman, who's the director for Hockey Perspectives on the prospect side, him and I went back and forth on Harper a lot. Um, he's just seen more live Harper than I have, so we went with his assessment um, as it's probably a little bit more trustworthy. Um, and again, this is a guy who's large in size, so good physicality rating. He's got a decent shot. He's got good skating ability, just in generals, and especially for a guy his size. So the scores come out really high. Um, ultimately, uh, Ottawa fans uh, obviously do not have a love for Harper, but the scores come out well, and that's where he is. As far as Lennon, well, Lennon is a guy that is sort of and sort of epitomizes the future rating. So whenever we're scoring these, these are all potential ratings. What we see the player becoming down the road. So when we give him a a 50 or 60, we say that's when he eventually hits his arc, his peak. That's what he's going to be. And well, Lennon just started playing defense or, two years ago. So he, he's only had a couple seasons under his belt. So the skills are there. He's another guy. He's got good puck skills. He's got a good shot. He's an offensive-minded guy, previously playing forward. So his future is high. Um, the ultimate upside, because the offensive may be higher than England, England's path is clearer. Uh, he's obviously much closer. But the, the potential for Willannon to provide more is there and so that's why he gets a higher future score than england does yeah that's interesting um i i definitely would agree with you that senators fans um opinions on ben harper are not very high uh you could just see his i don't i can't remember how many games he played last year he at least had one or two though uh with the senators in the nhl at the end of last year and he just looked totally lost um so I definitely wouldn't have him that high, but it, it it makes sense when you're rating on individual skills and that one thing can, um, you know, put a guy over the top. And the fact that he's he has size and you said he can skate decently, I can understand why he's that high. I personally wouldn't have him there, but, you know, that's fine, whatever. People have different lists. I think Prostman had him at 11 as well. Really? Okay, so... And part of that comes down to, um, I think he had England higher, I think. I can't remember. I think he had England at, in 7 or 8 and around that range. So, But uh, he did have Harper in, at 11. Okay, yeah. And and definitely uh, Siloff at 8. Um, a lot of Senators fans probably didn't even know who this guy was until last week, until he, until he re-concussed Clark MacArthur. So it, I bet you if, if fans were polled to do the – top 20 prospects i mean a lot of them won't even don't even have extensive knowledge of the prospects but i guarantee you they wouldn't put siloff uh that high on their list just because of that no and uh i laughed as soon as that came out and i knew our rating was gonna create some controversy oh yeah to begin with and i was like oh yeah this is gonna go over really well. that's sort of just why i wanted to bring it up because i i don't really have much knowledge of the guy besides besides that hit so i just thought, thought that was funny 
Um, okay, so another guy on the list I wanted to talk about was uh, Thomas Shabbat. We touched on him briefly before. So obviously he was ranked first, uh, just barely over Colin White on OFP. So do you think he can make the team this year? I know uh, Guy Boucher said something about him potentially making the team this year today. Um, so do you think he actually stays after the 10-game tryout, if he gets one even? I, I really, really hope he does. Um, yep. I've been, uh, I guess, a huge supporter, a huge Shabbat fan since the day I've seen him. You can ask my buddies. I got home that night, texted some people, and were just was just raving about this kid. Um, for a long time, growing up, I was always... Uh, Everybody joked around about my giant man crush on Jay Bomeister, and <laughs> I saw so much of him in Shabbat, and it was just like, I found my new man crush, and then when he got drafted by the Sens, it made it even better. Um, so I'm a yeah, huge, huge supporter of Shabbat. I think he can. I think he should make the team. Um, I think he's going to bring something that the team seriously lacks. We've referred to that sports logic stat about their 26th worst pass efficiency right. in the zone. Um, obviously, he's a guy that can skate the puck out of the zone, pass it out of the zone. I think he's got to find the right teammate. I don't know if pairing with Weidman's the right thing to do. Um, he's not a guy that's... He doesn't. He can't stay in front of the net all that well. He needs to sort of get in the corners, but he's patient in the corners, and I know a lot of people might throw them off, but he's really good at retrieving pucks along the boards down low behind the net, and but he's not aggressive. He's not always going to be the first guy in. Um, but when he gets there, and he's, you can still see a little bit of that in the preseason. Um, so he's going to have some stuff to work on. But I think that being with Mark Crawford and Guy Boucher and the staff that they, they've assembled is the best way for him to learn. Because I honestly believe that he's the guy that's eventually going to sit on the left side beside Carlson for the future of this team and help them have a legit, legit top unit. I, I do. If that can start happening that this year, then great. Yeah, I, I honestly do too. Um, he seems like the perfect fit on that, that top pairing, and he does seem like a guy who would thrive under Guy Boucher. Um, and just the fact that we'd be able to have another guy, another defenseman who could break the puck out of our zone just because even you don't even have to look at the stats to know that was a problem last year. Um, and it, it seems like he isn't going to be a guy that's clueless in the defensive zone. I think... A guy like Cody Cece um, clearly has the tools and has the offensive ability, but sometimes he looks a little lost in the defensive zone. Hopefully Shabbat isn't. Yeah, hopefully Shabbat isn't like that. Um, he would just be a massive upgrade over Mark Borvietsky, even if he played tomorrow. E even if he played last year, he would have been a huge upgrade. And like you said, if he becomes sort of. Uh, a player like Jay Bomeister, that's huge because Bomeister isn't amazing anymore, but in his prime, he was a really good player. He was probably, you know, top 20, 25 defenseman in the league. Yeah, and I know um, the other so, – and, and I'm not always a big comp guy because, obviously, it's hard to put comps on players, but the other player that he – stylistically and impact-wise that he got compared a lot to is Mark Edward Vlasic. And it makes a lot of sense. Like, Bo Meester and Vlasic are both guys that, uh, obviously, they're not really first-unit power play guys. They're not 60-point guys. They're not Eric Carlson. They're not P.K. Subban. Uh, but 
they're phenomenal, phenomenal possession players. And Shabbat's already shown that. Like his shot metrics early in the season have been very, very positive, and it's good to see. He's been on a high end event player, being a 19 year old playing in the NHL. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of shots against right now because he's still chasing a little bit in the defensive zone. The decision-making needs a little bit of work, but that could be coming from nerves as well. And once he's sort of settled in, that could go away. But he is just going to impact this team in such a positive manner. And it's I just hope it starts happening this year versus next year because next year is going to be a big year for this team. And if he can get that rookie year under his belt now and then become the f- a complete player or try to take that role next year, then even better. Right, he, he's certainly going to be under a lot of scrutiny this year if he does make the team, but I think it'll be pretty easy for him to clear that bar of being at least a third-pairing defenseman. I think he can be better than that. Um, you know, people always say defensemen take longer to develop, but, you know, we, we don't know that for a fact. Like, there's some guys who come in at 19-20 and dominate who are really good. Eric Carlson, is, his first year, he was pretty good. Sorry, last year was a perfect example. There was a ton of guys last year yeah. that came in and were fantastic in the rookie seasons. Go down the restricted free agent list right now and tell me how many top defensemen that are under the age of 23 or 22 are still not signed by their teams because the three years that they've been in the league have, or two, two, three years that they've been in the league have been so impactful that they're ready to get seven, eight million dollar contracts and their teams don't want to pay them that. Like, it's... It's time to stop worrying about players coming in too young. These kids are better prepared now than they ever were to jump into the league. They're more physically prepared. They're better coached at junior hockey. Um, the transition's not as difficult, on a, especially on the top, top end guys. On a, on a mid-tier prospect or uh, like a guy like Gabriel Gagne or Nirmi or someone that has these raw skills that needs to sort of take their talent and then sort of learn how to play hockey it's different but a guy like Shabbat a top end top tier guy he's ready to go just let him fly yeah exactly I, I don't see the point in sending him back if if you think he can really make an impact this season and I think most people will agree that he that he can um it, it was encouraging though to, to see today I didn't see the exact quote of what Boucher said but um there were a few French reporters talking about um Shabbat potentially making the team and the fact that it looks like Ottawa is going to carry seven or like dress 11 forwards and seven defensemen a lot of nights. Um, that means Shabbat's probably going to be playing most of the time because obviously, obviously he wants to have that extra mobility, but hopefully he's more like that fifth or sixth guy and Borvietsky is that seven guy or Kleisen's that seven guy. Um, but it does look like I, I honestly think he'll make the team and it'll make him better. I, yeah, I think it'll make the team better. It'll make him better. And, yeah, I really hope he does make it. I just think he's the perfect complement to the forwards that we have, especially in that top six. Yeah, totally agree. So a player I'm excited to see and uh, follow this season is Francis Perron. Uh, you have him at four, uh, which is quite high. But what kind of impact do you see him having this year in the AHL? And do you think he has, like, an outside shot at playing in Ottawa by the end of the year? Uh, I think by the end of the year, yes. I think that'll depend on a lot of different scenarios. I don't know if he's going to flat out 
I don't want to say earn his way because I think he'll be very successful this year in the in the AHL, but I think it's going to have to be a situation where there's either a significant amount of injuries or the team is sort of starting to fall off and is out of a playoff mix. If they're out of the playoffs and they're starting to bring the young guys in, I think he's definitely a guy that's going to get some ice time because I don't think he's too far off from being an NHL player, I think. Um, by midway, by 2017, 2018, by midseason, I think he's a full-time guy, if not by the start of next year. Um, so I definitely think he could. I I could see a, sort of a 40-point season, 40 to 50-point season in the AHL this year. Um, I know it's hard for rookies to put up huge numbers down in the AHL, so and especially, you know, Binghamton's an improving team, but they're not a, a great team, and there's not a ton of offensive talent around him, so He's a smart player, and he's not gonna he's not gonna struggle to yeah, not gonna struggle defensively or anything like that. Yeah, that that's sort of what I hoped that he could get maybe forty plus points in the AHL, which would be pretty solid on a not great Binghamton team. Um, but certainly, if if they do miss the playoffs or they're they're out of the mix by February March. I think it's guaranteed he'll get a shot in the NHL just because of um, I'm sure by that point he's one of Binghamton's better players. But one of the things that I find interesting is if MacArthur is out long term, like a lot of people suspect, even though he's he said he's he's upbeat and fe- feeling a lot better. Um, if MacArthur's out long term, Braun could maybe be an option in the in the top nine. It might be throwing him in throwing him to the fire quite quickly, but I mean. He is definitely an option. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially, I think, no matter if you put him in the, with, I'm just trying to think of the lineup off the top of my head right now, but if you put him with that Ryan and Broussard, um, or if you put him with uh, Smith and Smith and Pajot, I think he can fit in either way because he's a good, he's got a good shot, he's a good puck distributor. Um, his numbers, his high goal numbers, his high assist numbers, and his playoff numbers last year show that uh, he doesn't lack anything offensively and he's smart enough that he can play um, the one place he might struggle is if you put him right up at the top um, I guess maybe not because Mark Stone's not the fastest guy neither is Terrell so. uh, but he doesn't have Stone's instincts but I think with Hoffman and Turris he might have a harder time just uh, trying to keep up with them and their style of play but I think in that mid six, yeah I definitely definitely think he could fit in and definitely help out not too unlike what uh, Ryan Dezenkel provided last year when he came up yeah I, I could see that happening in, in getting maybe 25 30 games um, but yeah like I said before I, I'm definitely very curious very interested to see how he transitions and hopefully it's not hopefully he wasn't just a guy who dominates in the queue because there's so many guys that we've just never even heard of that put up huge numbers in their post-draft years and just were never heard from again so hopefully he's not that hopefully he's he he really is like a maybe not a top prospect but like a fringe top prospect at least yeah, i think i think that's fringe is probably a good word for it i don't think he's going to be an impact player at all but he's the type of guy again we look at this young core and we look at guys that are coming through you got Hoffman, you got Tourist there, you got Stone there. They're going to be there for a while. Broussard and Ryan, who knows? MacArthur, well, I hope he can stick around for any amount of time right now. But then you got Colin White, you got Logan Brown, you got Jonathan Dolan coming up. 
Carlson and Shabbat on the backside. So I think there's enough offense coming through and enough people that he can play with and distribute to or receive passes from that he's going to be successful and fit into this mix really, really well and fit anywhere in that sort of one, two, or three slot on whatever wing they decide he's going to play. Yeah, this the good thing is they sort of just need him to be a good middle six player. They don't necessarily need him to be as good as Mike Hoffman or, or Mark Stone. Uh, they just need some added depth. And if he becomes a 20-goal, 20-assist player, that's perfectly fine. That's In fact, I'd be really happy if he, if he turned into that. I think that's probably about a fair number for him. Uh, prospectstats.com, which is a phenomenal site, by the way, if anybody ever wants to get in there. They have heat maps for shots, heat map for goals. They have player comparison charts. It's awesome. But I think they have him, their metric has him at about uh, just over half a point per game. Uh, it's an expected NHL player. So that 40-point range sounds about right. I okay, think, yeah. Yeah, if you're a Sense fan, you'd be happy with that. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, I think we can wrap things up there. But before we do that, I'll let you tell the listeners where they can find your work slash social media. Well, social media, you can find me at Red Craig, sort of like Viking, but Craig. Uh, you can find me on Twitter there. Uh, you can find my work at most of it at hockeyprospectus.com. You can find me at sixsends.com, and you can find me at sendschirp.ca. Uh, you can hopefully find me with Trevor a couple more times this year. And uh, please, 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 please get up there. Go to hockeyperspectives.com. Pick up the prospect guide. If you're in a fantasy league, it's an awesome tool. Uh, they just announced today that Tom Awad's Dakota projections are being included with the purchase of the prospect guide. So if you want to win your dynasty leagues, fantasy leagues, this is this 12 bucks will win you more money than you could ever imagine. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast for the second time, Craig. Hopefully we can uh, keep getting prospect updates from you throughout the season. Absolutely, man. Thanks again, Trevor. Thanks for letting me uh, promote the, uh, the book out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no worries. Talk to you soon. Bef- before I sign off, uh, letting the listeners know out there that you can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS, as well as my articles at the best senator site on the web, Silver7Sends. The Cost Per Pointcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and giving the podcast a review on any of those platforms really helps the show grow. I'll be back soon with another season preview episode, which we'll talk specifically about the Senators, so stay tuned for that. Adios.